Welcome to David Talks To. I'm David Zhang, your host for this podcast and a high school student at Wheaton Academy. The following podcast is a conversation with Mr. James Brannon. Mr. Brannon is the Wheaton Academy Global Network Director of Recruitment, spending most of his time interacting with international students. Mr. Brannon spent most of his early life in Asia and attended Biola University for a bachelor's degree in biochemistry during the course of which he discovered an interest in helping international students and eventually changed his career path towards this direction. Despite that, he enjoys reading and learning about technology and science in his spare time. He finds pleasure in connecting his interests in technology with his global experience. This is a David Talks With podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as my YouTube channel called David Talks With. If you are interested in learning more about the ethical usage of artificial intelligence in this contemporary era, please visit the webpage for the Ethical AI Project at www.ethicalai.pro. That is www.ethicalai.pro. This is a project I started to facilitate discussions on AI usage, whether it's philosophical or practical, and promote a correct understanding of artificial intelligence. And now, friends... Welcome, Mr. James Brannon. All right. So, do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? My name is My name is James Brannon. I work at Wheaton Academy and I uh, work in the international student program. And I've been here for five years. That's pretty decent. Do you mind specifically explaining what you do every day? How do you interact with other people? Yeah, um, a good part of my uh, job, a big chunk of my job is talking to families that are interested in um, studying abroad. And so usually um, I talk to families from different countries. It's like different time zones. so, so, So that is like morning and evening. Um, when when people are awake and, and calling phone calls messages most of what we do now takes place through like social media mm-hmm. so people find us on like whatsapp or wechat and um, facebook and so that's a good chunk of my time uh, more of what i'm trying to spend my time on is like creating content and like for example if we have um like similar questions that are coming up over and over again like creating some content that addresses those questions as opposed to trying to like answer questions one at a time and so um, creating content that can be like reused and um, that yeah that can just bring more value to people in general definitely the media is a powerful tool Mm -hmm. and so since you communicate a lot with people across the planet essentially Mm -hmm. have you ever thought about your job potentially being replaced by AI since ChatGPT is a great communicator I actually use uh, ChatGPT for my job quite a bit. I mean, I don't, I don't think, like, when people are like, oh, the computer programmer jobs are going to go away. I mean, who do you think is going to be using ChatGPT to get rid of all these? It's gonna, Obviously, it's going to be a computer programmer. Who's going to know how to write yeah. code with an AI? It's going to yeah. be a computer programmer. So it's not like there's this new breed of people that are going to co- come out and run the AI. I mean, obviously, AI, I think can scale things like so for example you might only need one person to do the job of five people but I mean I think the good 
the the good thing about that is that it's going to get a lot get rid of some like unnecessary um <laughs> I, I shouldn't talk about people that way, but it's it's going to like just make things efficient. So, for example, instead of hiring a team of four people to do marketing, you might be able to hire one person who who can create the work of four people with yeah. an AI. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, the AI is a great assistant. Yeah, and especially if you're if you're in a job that can be replaced by an AI, um, it's probably not fun work anyways I mean it's like it's pretty tedious I mean AI is sort of like an assistant that you're like hey go summarize this article is I mean it's not fun stuff that you want to be doing anyways so it's not the creative positions no I mean if I feel like in any industry in order to really use AI well like you have to know this it's not like this um, if you're using it like a cheat code or like a shortcut, then it, it's going to sooner or later it's going to be pretty obvious that you don't even know. Like for example, if you're not if you don't know anything about coding and you're trying to use ChatGPT to write code, like you're not going to be able to get that far. Um, yeah, and if you don't, for example, if you're working in my field and you're using um, AI, you still have to know. You know, even to use ChatGPT and get the right stuff out of it, I feel like you need to know your topic. If you're just like, hey, write me an essay on whatever random topic it is and you just copy paste it and you don't really know what the essay itself is even talking about then it's going to be pretty obvious that you like you know you don't really know I mean it's not going to match up with yeah you're just going to be over your uh, you're going to be in over your head like really quickly yes so the AI is a good servant but a bad master yeah yeah that's a good way to put it then I take it you're not really worried that your job will be replaced by robots or automated agents? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I feel like if uh, I, I would gladly like replace certain aspects, like boring parts of my job with it. Like I would love to have a AI do that stuff. Yeah, uh, so what you mentioned, perhaps using AI to replace certain jobs would increase the efficiency on these positions. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, increasing efficiency could be equivalent to cutting the number of employees in that field. Now the question is, should we cut these people off just because there's a more efficient way to do the job? Depending on who you ask that question to, like if you're a company owner, then obviously yeah, like that's a good thing. If you're a company owner, and like for example, if you're somebody who wants to start a company, um, AI like levels the playing field a little bit because it's like, if someone else has the ability to hire three co employees and you only have the ability to hire one, um, but you hire the right person, it's like you might be able to still compete with that th that other company. Yeah. So it basically, it, it allows people who previously didn't have the capital or didn't have the resources to, to do something to be able to do it. I think in any kind of job, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I feel like AI probably mostly helps out right now with like white collar you know, like office work type stuff. Probably not, it's probably not so obvious how it's helpful in like s certain other industries, but definitely in like office work, any kind of knowledge work, AI is like a huge, a huge benefit. So, I get your point, right? If we think historically, during the Industrial Revolution, machines took the jobs of thousands of people and really concatenated work into a factory, a place for specific production, and to make things efficient and effective. And that completely bolstered 
the development of the global economy. Right? We were able to create things in the last 200 years that we were unable to do in the last 4,000 years before industrialization. So with the development of technology, I can see these things being put into a good way to assist humanity, assist civilization, and increase development. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it also comes at the pain of some people, right? If you're the person that's being replaced, that's being laid off from companies, that would result in economic shortage for a while, or maybe for your entire lifetime. Like, imagine being someone in the textile industry before sewing machines came out, right? You would sew your own clothes, right? That's, that's normal, that's expected. But after the machines came out, you would, to some extent, lose your job because you've now lost your advantage against these machines. But the process in and of itself is also inevitable because due to the nature of markets and the economy, people don't always choose the most efficient way to run their businesses. And, well, that's essentially how the market works. Whenever there's competition, people try to cut prices and increase productivity, increase the output. And in this process, creative destruction is needed. Yeah. And I mean, it, in it's not business owners that are to blame. It's not their fault. Like business owners do are trying to meet the um, needs of their customers. And whoever meets the needs of their customers in the best way possible and meets the most needs is going to end up making the most money. So business owners, you know, if your goal is to make money, then it's like what you're doing is you're trying to give the people what they want. So ultimately, it's not even the business. It's everybody that makes the decision of like, we want cheap clothes. You know, we want uh, an iPhone for less than a thousand dollars. It's yeah. not like the business. It's not the government's fault. It's not the business. We we're the ones that are making all these decisions yeah. when we, with all of our purchases. Yeah, um, and the, right. I mean, you can vote and stuff like that, and you can go protest companies. But ultimately, like your biggest vote is like the money. Your the money that you're spending every single day. Um, you're voting for like when you when you ever you buy anything, you're basically supporting whatever industries are behind that product. Definitely. And if AI is behind it, then you're supporting AI, and you're supporting a future with AI. Yeah. But do you think the government should at least intervene when it comes to these occasions? Because people will die if they don't really have like a pension system that's protecting them. I mean, personally. My personal, like political viewpoint is like the government should intervene like as minimum as possible. Mm, so laissez-faire. Yeah, maybe like I'm not extreme. Like I still think like you need a military. You need like some. I'm not out of touch with like the way like how the, you know how the world works with like military powers and stuff like that. I f yeah, basically minimum uh, regulations. Probably there will have to be some some sort of regu um, regulations just like. There needed to be some regulations with like social media, but I don't know if that's like an easy problem to solve. Like even social media, it's like a lot of people disagree with how those regulations. It's probably pretty difficult. Well, yeah. If you regulate too much, people think the government's censoring me. Yeah. And censor, that's a. Or the humans are biased. Yeah, 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 and biased. These are very, very strong words nowadays. So maybe we should have an AI regulate the AI. But then who's regulating that AI? <laughs> Another AI. <laughs> exactly.
And that doesn't solve the problem either. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, we still need people. And to raise people, to cultivate human intelligence, a real crucial aspect is education. I thought you were going to say having babies, but... Well, well yes, <laughs> and having babies. Um, yes, education. We'll address education in this podcast. So do you think AI will make students dumber because students can rely on AI to solve? I think it can make students dumber, like just like the internet can make some students dumber, but it can also make some students smarter. Yeah, yeah. So do you think there will be some sort of selection between dumber and smarter students? Well, I should add quotation marks, quote dumber, end quote, end quote smarter, end quote, students. Do you think it's based on their self-efficacy, their desire to become better students that make this selection or that make this distinction more apparent? Or do you think it's just some people are better with using tools and some people are not? Mm, I mean, I don't think they're, I don't think, I think everybody should be able all students should be allowed to use the same tools. I mean, it's up to the family, the parents and stuff to decide like, you know, the specifics, like how, how much phone usage you get to use, how much computer time. I mean, I think, which I think it is important because especially, like especially when you're in like middle school and those early teenage years, even, you know, and, and it's different for everybody. I think like your self-control, you don't, you're, you don't have like an adult's self-control most most you know like middle-aged students so if you just give a middle-aged student like full freedom to do whatever they want and they get you give them the resources to do it that's usually not like a good I mean very rarely you know you'll have somebody someone who's actually you know doing use it utilizing that responsibly yeah that depends on maturity and frontal lobe development yeah, yeah but, but in most cases, cases it's like it can, can result in like overindulgence pretty oh, quickly definitely by middle-aged do you mean middle school, like early teen yeah. age year, yeah. years. But as, I mean, in high school, I think everyone should be able, allowed to access the same tools. Um, I definitely don't think there should be like certain students can use AI and certain students can't. But I definitely think like, just like with any other tool that gets introduced into the, into the job market, it's, it's going to create a wider, just like in the job market, it's gonna create a wider wealth gap, dis, you know, wealth distribution, the, in terms of like, uh, people who are going to be making higher incomes are going to be making even more income. Like if you're a computer programmer who's already making a high income and you learn how to use AI, you're going to be making even more money um, versus people um, versus a lot of the people on the other end. You know, you're going to have more poor people and more super rich people and then less people in the middle. And I think same thing with AI is you're going to have some people that get dumber and you're going to have like some people that get uh, s even smarter. So you're going to have a wider range of students increase the disparity or I the variability so. on the spectrum I think so because I don't think every I don't think the average student is just gonna sit there and dialogue with an AI and try to teach themselves I mean that's like the ideal way you would use it yeah. is like it's customized right you can ask it anything like you know in in a class you know maybe you, the teacher might not have time or or even as you're doing homework you know you can't just call your teacher up anytime but you can just talk to chat GPT like a, almost like a personal assistant slash you know tutor yeah that's basically what I use it for and it's right. been very helpful I mean it probably saves you a lot of time too it, it does it really does compared with using Google yeah I also have to look through a lot of the articles myself to find the 
the good stuff, the stuff that I really need. But when I ask ChatGPT what this concept is about, immediately I get the answer. Right. And if you don't get it, you're like, you know, say this again, like, you know, in an yeah. easier way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I can still go up to Google and find out what it's actually about. So I'd say it's been a very, very useful assistant, at yeah. least to me. And there is way too much busy work in school. So I think it's a good thing that students can use ChatGPT to reduce some of that busy work. But how about writing? So that's that's been a major concern because ChatGPT is such a good writer that a lot of students just resort to it for most of their writing assignments. Well, now we have some plagiarism checkers that can detect AI work, but mm -hmm. for the first two or three months, so the end of last year and the beginning of this year, a lot of, I'd say a lot of students resorted to ChatGPT or to AI writers in general to accomplish their work. Do you think yeah. this, this behavior should be tolerated or there's two, I mean, if you're looking at it from like a big picture standpoint, like what are you, what are your goals that you're trying to get out of your education? Like, are you trying to learn how to write? I mean, I think everybody should learn how to write really well. I mean, dep depending on what you want to do, but I think that's not a new problem that AI is introduced. I mean, I think people have struggled with like how to get kids to re read more and write more. I mean, cause that's how you get better at reading, right? It's like, it's, you, you just have to read and write. Yeah, exactly. But that's the problem is that, um, you know, most people, I mean, mo most of our writing takes place on a computer. Um, we're, we're typing. Um, there's no handwriting. Um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, people's writing levels in general are not very high on average, like for, for the modern, especially for modern, it's not as emphasized like from in the modern school systems. Um, it's yes. not like in the old days where you had calligraphy and you had like, um, you know, you're expected to have a certain level of writing. Um, I feel like now in general, it's like the, yeah, the video is just like the main way that people communicate in memes. You know, we, we live in a culture that's, that's like true. predominantly. So we it's like, I feel like, animals. yeah. So I feel like that was already an issue before AI even came along. People were already having trouble reading like entire articles. People, you know, marketers have to make their articles shorter and shorter. And, you know, now when you read articles, it's like people are just looking for the big bold headlines that are not even reading. <laughs> like, well, yeah. if you look at Twitter, that's what, 200 characters or somewhere around that. Exactly. So it's like how, you know, and how do you define like being good at writing? Does being good at writing mean like being able to come up with a witty 200 character Twitter comment? Or is it is being able to write really well, like doing MLA format, and and you know what's what's the definition? You know, is your goal to go into academia and write research papers? Is your goal to to be a copywriter, like for a business, when you graduate? Or is your goal? Are you just using writing to communicate, like at work, you know, with your partners, etc.? So I feel like depending on the student. But yeah, a AI will definitely make people's, I mean, I, f I find it hard to imagine that you're gonna get very far with AI if you're a super bad writer yourself. I feel like that would just be super obvious. Yeah, and I think even with students, you know, when they do use AI, um, I think in many cases it's pretty obvious <laughs> to the teacher. If Unless you're like already a really good writer, you know, if you suddenly start coming up with these big articles and, t and you can't even answer the, you know, when the teacher starts asking you on, you know, your your thought process as you're writing this. And if it's pretty obvious that, yeah, yeah, I think the teacher can tell.
Yeah, so, well, my take on that is that students shouldn't use AI to write their papers unless you have permission from your instructor well, because it's, it's cheating, it's plagiarism, it's not your work. And I think schools should steer clear of that. This is a message to all schools. <laughs> because that's essentially how plagiarism works, right? You entered the input, you you told the AI the prompt, that's true, so that's that's the work you did, but the AI did all the rest of the work, and you're not really getting anything out of that. So I would say if you if you're thinking of doing that, or if you planned on doing that, or if you've did that, well, I would encourage you to stop doing that and actually focus on improving your writing skills because whether you're making a witty message on Twitter or you're writing uh, in academia using <clears throat> sesquipedilious words or if you're doing some business communication, at the end of the day, some creativity helps and some writing skill, some writing skills would help. And even if we just think about the AI model, the AI model is based on based on our data. It's in its intelligence is based on our intelligence and if the human society is so paralyzed that none of us can come up with effective and meaningful information then the AI model would also deteriorate and become something that's not as meaningful and I think like another another like probably question that that and that they're gonna have to figure out in education is like maybe the ways that we're evaluating students needs to be updated. Like if it's so easy to, to cheat the system that you can use a software to basically get through every single round of the education system, then maybe there's something wrong with the education system. Um, and, and maybe if it's so easy for people to be able to just use an AI and submit a paper, I mean, because it's going to be equally as easy in college and equally as easy in, um, in the workforce, and so I feel like um, maybe that's maybe maybe the emphasis shouldn't be like submitting these electronic papers. Um, maybe there's a different way to evaluate it. If there's so many loopholes, it's like yeah. maybe you need to come up with a different. Maybe it's like an oral exam where you have to make a presentation. Yeah, yeah. Well, since as as you've said, right, communication has been more inclined towards visual media and videos and creative forms of means of communication. I would say it's actually more essential to improve these skills as a student nowadays because that will truly make you communicate more efficiently in the end of the day. And education is evolving, right? We've, we've seen how the education system has changed in the last 50 years with the introduction of computers into schools, how accessible information has been and how all sorts of evaluation methods have changed. Right, tests have become digital. Some have become calculator allowed. Right, uh, fifty years ago, I don't think people had calculators. So there's been a paradigm shift already. It's just AI will make the shift larger. It'll probably be equal. Like there's pros and cons. It's like it's a double-edged. It'll probably be equalizing in some aspects, but yeah, the, in reality, ultimately, yeah, it's gonna the gap is going going to widen. It could be an equalizer in the sense that like. You know, for people that if you're not a good writer and like you're trying to, you know, pitch an idea to, you know, some somebody, it's like, you know, maybe it can give you a leg up and give you a good first impression when you're trying to do an interview with somebody. Um, 
as opposed to someone who might be able to afford like a consultant who's basically just going to do the same thing. That's true. You know, who's going to revise their resume and tell them what to say in the interview. Um, you know, if you can't afford in a consultant, you know, you're just an average ordinary person. Maybe the AI can be like an equalizer in that. Yeah, yeah. In that situation. Let's take a side tangent here. Have you seen any of the AI generated art? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it opens, yeah, it opens up a bunch of cans of worms, just like the other, like education and um, the jobs. Yeah, with yeah, and copyright is going to be like one of the big yeah. things. It's like, it, you know, like you said with writing essays, plagiarism. Is that plagiarism when you use AI? Um, the same thing is going to be like if you use AI to generate art and then you use it. Like, is that plagiarism? It's it's hard to say. I don't think we have uh, clear clear lines yeah. legislatively. I mean, the whole idea of of like um, ownership and rights and stuff like that is it is ch shifting too. Like in this, like with um, uh, like even with music. I remember like with YouTube. It you know it used to be like if you use a song, they're really strict about it. You know they'll ban your video. They'll they'll cancel it if it's a copyrighted song. Like with all the new plat the short video platforms right now, there's not that same sense of like copyright of being so exclusive. It's much more of an, it's like if you use a song, they'll just tag the song and so you know exactly it'll you know yeah. trace it back to okay this That'll is which song right because it's getting ex you're basically doing free advertising for the artist. But it's sort of nuanced, especially when it comes to visual art, because when you generate some form of like a picture that looks very similar to some artist's style, but it's it's a different thing. It's a different object. And you can't really relate that to the artist. And so now you take that picture out and you say that and you claim it as yours, right? You use it for commercial purposes. Are you technically making money off of the artist? Mm. Yeah, but I don't think that's a new thing. It's like all these uh, like big clothing companies um, like uh, have been doing that for you know decades now, stealing art from younger designers and commercializing it. You know, slapping it onto their clothes and yeah. selling it, making pro you know Zara is one of the the big ones that's kind of known for stealing artwork from. Yeah, stealing designs from from smaller designers. Um, all the big fashion brands, you know, are kind of infamous for doing it. So I don't think that's anything new that AI is going to bring. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there might be some other way to. I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like art is so subjective. Like for example, if you had, I saw this video of the, this guy in um, some city in China, and he he makes replicas of like Van Gogh artwork. I also heard about that. Yeah, there was like a video on. They have like a whole factory. Yeah, and they sell it. You know, and he paint, he hand paints um, all the pictures, and but the thing, and it looks exactly like Van Gogh. But art is such such a subjective thing. I feel like if you remove the context from art, then is it really art anymore? I mean, sure, you can talk, you can commercialize it, slap it on a t-shirt, and sell it for ten bucks. But is that still the same? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like art is a lot of the value in art, like det is determined by the context. So if you mass produce something, it kind of loses value as a as a piece of art. Yeah, the sense of yeah. beauty is 
one of the most fundamental human senses right. and it's deeply embedded I would say into to our emotions there's a natural appreciation for beauty and as we said we are visual creatures yeah like even like the Van Gogh thing even if it's like even if it's a replica and it looks exactly like it are people going to pay the same amount as like an original Van Gogh like of course not like because you know because Van Gogh is Van Gogh and like all the context around that um, you know his story the you know the emotions that went into his artwork you can't replicate that you can't just copy paste it and that's true but yeah. Van Gogh had a platform to share his story nowadays when art is so digital and so fast foodish how can you still convey the story behind making an artwork well there's definitely no story aspect in AI but how about for human artists how can they convey their story yeah, I guess there's more competition because like the the playing fields level probably in Van Gogh's time you didn't not everybody could afford to just sit there and paint pictures. Like yeah. people had to go work in the farm, you know, it's like they had to go do work. <laughs> uh, small small amount of people got to have that kind of privilege. Um or even st education was a thing of the privilege, you know, it was only only rich people could go and just learn languages and learn about history. It was an aristocratic like privilege, but I think um, so. I think in a sense that yeah, there's a lot more people creating art, which is a good thing. You know, the 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 playing field is like Van Gogh would have if he made an Instagram account and was posting his pictures. It probably wouldn't be right. Just like if the Beatles release their album right now, it's like in this oh, day and age. Yeah, it's classic. Right. With you know, at the time there was like you know much less competition and. I mean, I still think their music would have been like, I don't know, that's a, that's a good question, alternative <laughs> reality question. It's sort of hard to think about it because people's tastes have changed, especially with the advent of exactly. popular so it's music. Hard to, it's hard to say exactly, yeah. but with art, I feel like art is just something that like is subjective in a sense. Like we, we look at it and we feel a certain, you know, when you see, um, a pair of Yeezys, like, I mean, sorry to use that as, I'm not even into shoes, but I'm just thinking like high school, you know, kids, I'm trying to think of something that like, um, from high school, like, you know, a pair of Yeezys, it's like, you know, people wear those because they're, I mean, it's not just because like Kanye West designed these, it's also because like the style of it, the sort of the feeling that people get when they just see the pair of shoes and obviously all the, the social stuff around it. But I think ultimately it's like, the design itself is really unique and, and special, and that's what people gravitate to. The condition for art, well, compared to writing, is actually more complicated to, to consider because, it, as you said, art is indeed a form of leisure. It's, yeah, and subjective. Yeah. I mean, writing is too, to a certain extent, I think. But There's a practical purpose t to it. You need it to communicate with other people. Yeah, but I mean, even that is, is um, I mean, I think, yeah, in order to c communicate on a certain level, like it's, I, I feel like it'd be hard to do that without language. Like that's how we're able to communicate abstract stuff in math and, you know, mathematics and all that. Yeah. Actually, mathematics is an example of how we can communicate without like using words because it's a separate, it's a different language, right? Well, it's yeah. <laughs> and the symbols of words. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're technically, um, but I think like I was watching this video the other day that was talking about like 
um, how our brains work and we are we store things like if you say like if I say like think about an elephant right now like are you picturing the word elephant or are you picturing an elephant I'm picturing an elephant a picture of an elephant right yeah. you're not you don't picture the word elephant so it's like we're primarily visual creatures which makes sense why like memes and all that stuff it's more universal people can in Japan and in India they can all be looking at the same memes and some of it's cultural nuance, but it's more universal, yeah. as opposed to if it was like an English Twitter post. Yeah. You know, is that going to go viral as easily? Like, probably not. Probably not, yeah. Or emojis. Right. It's deeper, and also like writing, it's like, what makes writing good writing? What makes writing like something that a lot of people resonate with? Like, th like there's a ton of good writing, there's a ton of like really well-written research, and, but that, that maybe not many people have read ever. Yeah. You know, think about all those dissertations out, out there that were written by PhD students that, like, nobody's ever read. It's awesome writing, but it's just, like, it has, it is very subjective in a certain sense. Like, well, even in science, it's like, if you don't have the right funding. Also very low. Right. So. That's true. You, it requires a much higher level of, like, background information. Yeah. Technical. Do you think... AI has taught you more of what it means to really be human? It has AI t taught me more about what it is to be human? Yeah. I think like using AI has definitely made me think a lot more about like what's happening. Yeah. Um, like it makes me, yeah, th just that existential moment of like, um, like who's producing these answer answers? And since it's like coming out of humanity, because like it's like the matrix we created the robots and the robots created the matrix um it, have you seen that movie before i have yeah well, well, yeah in 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 some yeah i know it's super yeah it's just very many layers of meaning that are so relevant to our world today i feel like it's a good framework for understanding the current w world that we live in you know because essentially obviously we don't live in that same kind of reality but we did create the robots, and the robots created the matrix, and we now live in the matrix. Like, the, in, if you think about it from that standpoint, it is kind of what w the world that we live in right now. So what's the matrix? We created the robots. The robots created the matrix, which is basically this digital reality that we spend all of our time in. And we're the batteries that are powering that reality. That's very true, actually. Our attention, our the amount of time, like because the the many t the the amount of times, because from the people the people that design these devices, whether it's the iPhone itself or a computer itself or the apps within these computers, they all have one goal, which is basically to get us to use their product more and more and more. That's yeah. the goal of every company, um, and so it's like they everything is sort of um, designed that way for us to spend our entertainment on the phone to spend our work on the phone and so like the in a sense like we created this thing and it's human minds that are behind the engineering of this but we're also becoming enslaved by the robots if that makes sense so even though the matrix is like kind of a sci-fi extreme way of portraying it like it is I feel like it's still a good way to think about you know it's one perspective to look at the world yeah. Now, let's take that to the extreme. Are you worried about the future? Do you think the future would actually be like what has happened in the Matrix? Like when robots actually dominate the planet and you're being, you're being captivated and the robots perhaps iterate 
based off of the information we provide because that's how well, AI works, at least for now, is it trains on our data. So do you think that's possible? Like a more physical realization of the matrix in the future? Could be. Yeah. Are you worried about that? No. <laughs> no? How come? Uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, I just feel like there's, there's probably other things that are more likely to happen. And um, even if that were to happen, I don't think, like, there's nothing, like, it would just be, um, it'd just be GG no matter what. <laughs> it's like, it's not like, I wouldn't be anxious because it's just like zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like, would I be worried if that happened? I mean, that would suck, but, you know, it's not like I'm going to be one of the last survive. I'm probably going to be wiped out pretty early in the game. <laughs> not worried about it. Um, no. Like, if it happens, then, then you're screwed anyways. But if it's, like, if it's, um, yeah, I'm more worried about, like, in my own family, like, is technology going to take over, you know, as AI? So I think, like, that's my area of responsibility that I can control is like at least within my own sphere of influence it's like are we using technology in the proper ways that's true that's very and are we staying in touch with our humanity yeah yeah staying in touch with reality well it's been a pleasure to talk with you to converse with you and your ideas have been pretty interesting so glad to have you here today thank you david that was so fun yeah all right we'll see you around bye-bye